Welcome to the Community HealthCast, brought to you by the Queen's Community Health Board. I am your host, Deborah Radall, here as always with Elizabeth Bailey, CHB Board Coordinator and Podcast Editor Extraordinaire. Good morning, Elizabeth. Hi, Deborah. It's great to be here with you again. Well, it's lovely to chat with you again on this episode of our podcast. Elizabeth, can you give our listeners a quick review of why we do this podcast and how it links to our health priorities? My pleasure. So as some of you know, the work of the Queen's Community Health Board is all around engaging our communities to address our health priorities. And this podcast helps us do that. Each episode, we build our topics around those health priorities, which are food security, community connections, recreation and wellness, and affordable housing. Thanks, Elizabeth. Very well put. Now, we have all heard the saying that many hands make light work. And I think we can all agree that working together, we can get more done. We can have stronger advocacy and more community awareness. Our guests today are part of the many hands that work in our community every day. Shelley Wynott has worked for the South Shore Regional Center for Education for 16 years. She is currently a student support worker with Indigenous and African Nova Scotian students, navigating her students to find resources that assist them with their education and providing support for their families. And Stacey Thorburn has been the vice principal of South Queens Middle School for five years and has worked in the South Shore Regional Centre for Education for 14 years as a teacher. She is passionate about supporting students and their families and works with her team daily to help provide opportunities for all students. And she also happens to be the vice chair of the Queen's Community Health Board. Thank you, Shelley and Stacey, for taking the time to join us today on the Community Health Cast. How's it going? Thanks, Deb and Elizabeth. It's actually uh, pretty good. It's Friday, so we've got our eye on the clock. We are very, very happy to be invited as part of this podcast to talk about things that we are so very passionate about. Thank you. Well, there's lots to talk about, so let's get right to it, Stacey. About those health priorities, tell us about how the health priorities and the socioeconomic needs of your students inform your work as the VP. And does this apply in all of our family of schools in Queen's? So we know in education that if our students are well, then they will do well. In our roles, we try and make sure that our students are as well as they can be. And we know that if they are being taken care of, either both inside of our building and outside of their building, that they will thrive in ways that are available for them. So as a parent, it makes me very happy to hear that the schools obviously are focused on what's in the best interest of our children, and particularly right now. So maybe, Stacey, you can uh, elaborate a bit on what some of the specific examples of supports are that you provide to students. Absolutely, Deb, I'd be happy to. Every school now has a breakfast program, which is great. And the breakfast program has come a long way in that it used to be for the students who didn't have breakfast. And so it didn't take very long for 
us and the powers that be to notice that those kids were not comfortable going to the breakfast program because it was something that would single them out. And so over the years, we have established with partners, of course, breakfast programs that are for everyone. And so everyone who comes in the building can grab something. Well, during COVID times, they can be passed something for breakfast when they come in in the morning. And so there is no, no stigma attached to anyone. We do have more work to do in that way because we do have kids who still don't feel comfortable. But I think the more that we make it normal, per se, I think the better those kids will feel. We also have hot lunch program. And so in our building, and I know in other buildings as well, other schools, students go down and they order food from the cafeteria. And it looks just like any other student one would order from the cafeteria. So we would inform our cafeteria workers of the students who would be needing a lunch and they would come through and nothing would be said. It would be just like they had prepaid lunches. We also provide free extracurricular activities, so no student has to pay for any uh, sports teams or any trips that we go on or anything that comes into the building. We provide the funding for that, and the funding comes from various places, whether it's people in the community, whether it's our school advisory council, and the regional center for education also provides the funding. There has been times that we have provided furniture and clothing, bags of groceries for students and their families. And we've also provided our students with technology, whether that be a Chromebook or an iPad, so that they would have something to use both in the building and at their house. So are you saying that no student has to pay or every student has the opportunity to even if they can't afford to pay? No student has to pay for anything extracurricular, unless... So we have a couple programs going on in our school. So we have French Immersion. We have our band program. A lot of the kids would be able to raise money for the things that would happen in those programs. However, if there are students within those programs who do not have the means to fundraise or who do not have the means to add extra money, those students would be covered by the school. That's wonderful. So no kid will be disadvantaged if their families can't afford something. I think that's wonderful because you don't want to leave anybody behind. Exactly. Okay, Shelley. Now, what can you add to this from your perspective? What's important to recognize is looking at the statistics that come out from Stats Canada. And what it shows is our area has a 30% poverty rate. And so that includes the working poor. And so what we know from working in schools, and because I work in all of our schools in the Liverpool area, we know that poverty is a huge socioeconomic issue within our community. Knowing the stats and knowing where we're at and where we have to go and what our schools have to compensate and being able to support our students and families, I think is what we need to do in order to move forward. And we're doing that. It has to be a very sensitive issue to deal with in the school situation. It is very sensitive, Deb. Some of the students and some of the families that we work with are not comfortable coming into school. They're not comfortable talking about their situation. Some of them are very, very apprehensive to talk about their situation. And so it's great that Shelley has the ability to touch base with those students in a non-threatening role so that she can dig deep into how we can help them. And she is sort of the liaison between the families and the school, because we only see what we see in in the school, right? Shelly can get down to what's happening in the homes or in the community. And so when we work that way, it allows us to broaden our reach. 
And Shelley, it sounds to me like you're not only working with Indigenous and African Nova Scotia students. Absolutely. I think what we recognize is while my mandate working with Social Regional Center for Education states that I have certain groups of folks that I work with and families, but that doesn't actually limit me to just working with our Indigenous and Black students and families. So being able to do this for so many years, it allows you to gain a trust within the community to be able to work with everyone. I feel that that is how we are bridging the gap between our schools and our community. That's a big job, I would imagine. It's an interesting job. It's different every single day, which is really great. We're working hard to break the misconceptions regarding poverty and what our families need and to make them feel comfortable in coming to us. So it's a big job, but there's been huge changes and we're doing what is necessary in order to keep our families and our students safe. For each of you, I mean, I guess I would really be interested, and I'm sure our listeners are interested, to hear what you want people to understand about what really goes on in the schools and how they help families. So if we talk about COVID times, when school went out last March, we were very concerned about many of our students and families, their mental health, if they were going to be fed, what they would need during these very difficult times. And so what we knew had to happen was we had to reach out to our community members and we had to reach out to our businesses and we had to figure out a way to bridge that gap where nobody was in school and everybody was at home. We needed to know what we could do in order to ensure the safety of our students and our families. So using our community and our businesses was our biggest support in being able to move forward. What happened with that? Give us some examples. So we did have some partnerships with the grocery stores where we were able to get groceries. We had a partnership with a very influential business in town where money was donated to two of the schools here in Liverpool to be able to provide for our families, both during COVID and post-COVID. So we have that money to be able to help our families. Schools Plus was a huge partner with us because they also know of community organizations where they would be able to help our families in need. So there were just um, pockets of people who were there that we could call upon. And we knew that they would be able to help us be able to provide for our families and our students. Great stories, great community partnerships. And I would like you to elaborate a little bit on, just for those people that are listening that may not know, what is Schools Plus? Tell us a little bit about Schools Plus. So Schools Plus is an organization that works with our Regional Centre for Education, and they are able to provide supports within our community that us at school are not able to reach out to maybe because we don't have the time or maybe because we don't know who those people are. So the student support workers will reach out to organizations, they'll reach out to businesses, they'll find funding for programs that will allow our students to do things that maybe they aren't able to do or be able to support families in areas where we may not even know they're struggling, but they are able to provide that service for them. That's great to know that they're there. And Shelly, is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Yes, absolutely. During the COVID, when we received this donation from a local business, we actually 
from the time that we receive the money right up until it's still ongoing over the summer and et cetera, what we did with that money is we fed families. So essentially, we had to be very creative in how we were going to be able to support families and what that looked like. But we continued to feed families, support their mental health at home which really was a big deal. These are all the things that many folks within our community do not see or they do not hear, but we were doing this and continue to do this during this time. I'm sure that people are listening to this and wondering how they can help and how they can support the schools. Maybe you could each take a moment and talk about some specific things that everyday people might be able to do, even if it's in a small way. Thanks, Deb. I'd be happy to. When I think about what our community can do for our families or for anyone in our community, I would just ask that people change the narrative, change their outlook on the people who are around us. It doesn't matter if we're in need or we're not in need. I know that Queen's Region is a place where we take care of one another. We ask the questions. We find out what people need. And I would say just continue doing that. We have great people in this community who provide for some of our most needy people. I would just suggest doing that, bringing a bag of groceries, calling them up, asking them what they need, maybe reaching out to someone that you've not reached out to before, but you know may be struggling. I would say just have conversations around this type of thing. And I think that the more conversations we have about them, the more people will know that we're taking care of them and and they matter and that we can move forward no matter what type of situation we're in. So what we have been doing over the past many years, which many folks I'm sure do not know about, is that we do have local businesses and local families that will reach out to the schools every year during the holidays and ask what they can do for folks within the community. And so if people are really interested in being able to support us, to support families, call the school, reach out to us, ask us if there's anything that some of our students and our families need. They could drop off gift certificates to Frenchies. They could drop off gift certificates to anywhere. They can ask for a child from an age range and I can get a wish list from that child and I can give them that wish list and then they can give the gifts to me wrapped. And then everything is still kept very confidential. But, you know, when we look at Christmas that morning, that child wakes up with something underneath the Christmas tree. and. We really are passionate about that. We want every child who celebrates the holidays to receive something underneath the Christmas tree at Christmas time. We, we're very passionate about, about this, but we're passionate because we see every day what the fruits of our labor are doing for these kids. They're learning. They may not be learning the curriculum, but they're learning how to be kind and how to t- look after one another. Our system, Deb, is not set up to work with and support families who are struggling. And it's really important that we recognize that within our community, we do have many families that are struggling. And it's important to recognize and to support them in every need that they may have. So we can ensure that their children are going to grow up and they're going to be okay at the end of the day. That's a beautiful thing, you guys. It really is. And that is right. At the end of the day... We all want our community to grow and to thrive and be strong. Wow, you guys have really 
provided some fantastic ideas. I'm excited about all of the ways that people can help out and help families and children have a great holiday this year and continue to have what they need to have a good quality of life throughout the year. Shelly and Stacy, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to both of you. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Elizabeth and Deb, for giving us this opportunity. We're here every day providing for our kids, but it's nice to know now that we can get our message out and really uplift our community and our families and our students and let them know that we're here for them and we know that our community is behind us as well. There's some great work happening here in Queen's County. It's people like you who make this such a great place to live. And thank you all for listening and joining us on the Community HealthCast. For more information on today's topic, please visit our Facebook page, Queen's Community Health Board, or call me, Elizabeth Bailey, at 902-350-0478. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time to the Community HealthCast.